0: Hey, everybody, I'm your host, Eric Mueller, and welcome back to The Eric Mueller Show, the podcast where we explore what makes any successful person's inner clock tick. Today's episode will lay the framework for crafting your own strategic narrative. You're likely wondering, what exactly is a strategic narrative, Eric, and why do I even need one? Enter my guest, Guillaume Viatre, the founder of Metahelm. Now, Metahelm is a consulting firm focused on building strategic narratives for established companies. Now don't worry at all if you're not an established company or even have any hopes to be one. Guillaume can help you create and craft a strategic narrative focused on your own individual purpose. As a strategy consultant and leadership coach, he guides CEOs and founders to align people and accelerate innovative adoption. For Guillaume, traditional business storytelling is dead. He believes that innovation happens when you build a new narrative instead. He's been known to say this, people will pay for a story but they will die for a narrative. After helping to save a $20 million euro venture during the dot-com boom, Guillaume went on a mission to turn every company into a source of inspiration that few can resist. Since then, he's been working with startup founders as well as senior executives of popular companies. You know these names, Google, Microsoft, Alaska Airlines, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as well as the US and French governments. His commitment to education led him to also become an instructor and a mentor to young entrepreneurs. Guillaume currently teaches at the University of Washington, the School of Visual Concepts in Seattle, as well as the Emlyon International Business School in France. Guillaume also publishes daily insights in his newsletter, The Next Narrative. Now this is where you'll find a canvas that he designed specifically for you to get started with your own strategic narrative. Are you ready to unlock your potential and start consistently making progress towards your purpose in life? Let's head on over to the interview. All right. So welcome back to The Eric Mueller Show, the podcast where we explore what makes any successful person's inner clock tick. Now, my guest today is a masterful educator in crafting a strategic narrative. Whether you're an entrepreneur, top-level executive, or anything in between, Guillaume Viatre can help you build a narrative centered around your purpose. Welcome to the show, Guillaume.
1: Eric, it's my pleasure to be here.
0: Man, thank you. Thank you for being here and we'll just start off right, right away and I I'll, I'll tell you why I wanted you to be on the podcast in the first place. What really stuck out to me was your persistence. So, you publish a a daily newsletter, 7 days a week. It's an email newsletter. That's got to take some sincere persistence and dedication. H- how do you maintain an inner drive towards that project?
1: Ah, uh, Eric, this is uh this is a lot of work for sure. Um it's discipline maybe. That's one That's one piece. There are so many layers to this question. Discipline is definitely one. I mean, you have to have discipline to do this. I hate to skip a day. I sometimes do because life is, you know, life is life. But I learned something important in doing this and starting this uh, many months ago is I thought I needed a lot of ideas to be able to write every day, right? It's actually the opposite. I realized that the more I was writing, the more ideas I had. And so I like to say, you know, I don't write because I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of ideas because I write every day.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah.
1: And so that, that gets me so excited because I am very focused on on new ideas. I've always been very focused on new ideas since I was a kid. And I finally found, um, you know, after, <laughs> after hitting 45 or so, a medium, a channel, a way to really uh, fuel that. And, and, and that's really something that excites me so much. I can't wait to be in front of my computer, the thrill of the white page and thinking, what am I going to possibly talk about today? I don't have any um, content plan. I don't have an Excel sheet. I don't plan ahead of time. I have no, notes and stuff everywhere, all over my desk and in my computer with things that, you know, you know ideas that, that just come through uh, throughout the day. But I don't know before I sit over my computer. I don't know what I'm I'm possibly going to be writing about. That said, I, I my my mailing list has a focus and it's the focus of strategic narrative for sure. So I stay around this, and it's a it's a multifaceted. It's still it's a it's a multifaceted focus that includes leadership, innovation, entrepreneurship, business, new ideas, psychology, influence, persuasions. So these are the you know, the overall, the network of overall topic I, I go around, but that may be missed is, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something super important for me.
0: Thank you for sharing. And I think really like the the piece that I like is that, you know, you, you, you get that blank page and that, that gives you the ideas, because I think a question a lot of people have is how do you generate ideas? And that's, that's a question. I think a lot of potential aspiring entrepreneurs want to know is, you know if they sit yeah. down without a without a plan per se, how how can they kind of get those ideas to flow through their mind? or are there any strategies that you've learned that that get the creative juices flowing, so to speak, for your newsletter?
1: Well, I think a big myth is to think that you have to be talented or a genius or super creative to have ideas that are worth pursuing. And that these are these are limiting beliefs. That's what will keep you not do anything. <laughs> and so the first the first step is to realize that the most brilliant ideas once were the crazy ones were the unrecognized possibilities that no one wanted to think about, but that someone one day decided to take care of. And so ideas are just like there's a beautiful metaphor in in a book called um the the big magic uh, and that metaphor is uh, ideas are like uh, birds, animals and if you don't pay attention to them, if you don't feed them, um, they stop coming to you right? But if you start really recognizing that an ideas might be might, might be really changing the world one day, you give this idea a chance, right It's all about feeding the idea and and growing it and pursuing it and defending it and advocating for it. So I think it is a critical mindset when you are, Thinking about maybe developing, building a company, uh, in, in, at least in the space that I operate in, where it's, it's you know I work with entrepreneurs, it's a really a critical mindset to have. Is this is you know how you grow ideas while you pay attention to them? And so if you don't have a system to capture them, to nurture them, to to share them, get feedback on them, um, you're not starting that uh, that system, if you will.
0: Right. I, I love that. I love that that animal metaphor of if you don't feed it, it's going to stop coming to you. That really resonates with me. I really think that that's, that's a powerful statement. So if you're, if you're out there listening, I mean, uh, hopefully, hopefully that means something to you because it certainly does to me.
1: Yeah. The the book is called the big magic by by uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. It's a fantastic book. And she talks, you know, uh, about it, you know, in, in, in a great, great, powerful way.
0: Perfect. Yeah. I'll, we'll tag that in the show notes for sure. As, as far as one of Guillaume's uh, books to read everybody. so, Guillaume, if when when you're writing this newsletter too, just to tease out a little bit more here, how how long does it take you to to produce one of them? So I mean, you, you do it seven days a week. Is there? Right. You say you don't have a, a creative, you know, plan so to speak, or, or a schedule with it. But what's a rough timeline as far as how long it takes you to craft that that letter?
1: <laughs> that's a, that's a hard that's a hard question. I mean, the, uh, sometimes I mean, last night I published an email that took me nine minutes to write. It's, it, it was something I meant to say a long time ago. I I was triggered by um by a quote I saw, and it was a it, it was it's the it's the thought that you know we want to replace a lot of human activities by robots, you know, by art, artificial intelligence, and um and just to keep in mind that um, even if an intelligence is artificial, the criterion and the the the, the principles around which uh, AI is built is is still very radical from how we operate as human. And, and it's a simple, it's a simple idea. You know, uh, my idea is machines will count words, for instance, you know, about, you know, I think about writing and, and, um, and operating as a leader, humans will count on words. See the, wow. the the slight difference here. We count on words. I've always believed that words matter more than we can even imagine that, you know, words have this fantastic huge potential to just build movements, to uh, inspire people, to open the gates, the floodgates for, for people to just revolutionize the way we do things. And uh, we want to somehow, we, we believe we can replace this with some machinery that helps us do that. In some way, I, I see some some, va- some of it is probably true and I see acceleration in that realm. But I think it's still very human-centric activity. That and my point last night was, we, we shouldn't forget about it. Sorry, long answer here. <laughs> I'm nine. going on the, Your question was, how long does it take me? That idea took me nine minutes to say because it was percolating, you know, for a while. Uh, but sometimes on on my articles are, I try to shoot for 300 words on average so that people can read it in a minute or two. Um, sometimes it's long, sometimes it's shorter. But I, I, you know. You know to say, I didn't have time to write a shorter letter. <laughs> 300 words take time. And sometimes I spend two three hours on a, on a piece, two three hours easily. And I just don't see the time. It just flies by. The value goes beyond the email you're receiving. It creates huge value for me because it's it's a forcing function to hone my thoughts, get clear, choose carefully what I'm trying to express. And then the other piece of value is You know, my business is an expertise-based business. People come to me for new thinking and um, they don't have a lot of time. They want it, you know, as fast as possible. And so I have to be able to create thought-provoking ideas in their mind very quickly. So if I don't rehearse ahead of time, I can't do that. I see my daily writing as Michael Phelps going to the swimming pool every day to win the Olympic medals he did. Uh, and he never skipped a day. That's what made the difference between him and other swimmers. And it's true in other sports. And that's what I do. I train every day. Uh, so that's the other thing. I, I produce that value ahead of time. I, I, I front load value creation in my business process so that when my clients come to me, it's, ready, it's already there. I hate, this is something I hate in consulting is seeing consultants um getting paid to uh learn something they don't i mean of course there is always learning in consulting but i don't think you should assume that you're gonna engage in a project and just kind of figure it out and wing it and and um and and create that learning on the client's dime (laughs) it's something that i don't think is a good practice or if you want to do this if that's your business model then you should price accordingly and you should be transparent and true and and very clear with your clients and some clients will buy that but i think it's a it's a different setting my point is most people don't say that
0: right and and you touched on a great piece there is you know that persistence of of not skipping a day and building those habits that that get you to that point so really it you know it comes down to the core of what probably keeps you driven in your life as a whole so a big piece of this podcast is is exploring what makes successful people's inner clocks tick and keeps them pushing forward. So if Guillaume, if you had to share a driving force or a few forces that that push you towards that that success that you're chasing and that persistence that you that you exude.
1: So for me, it's always been learning. Um I was very fortunate to grow up in a family where my parents focused uh heavily on on on, on our education, learning. I mean we, I was very, I was so fortunate, Eric. I know it's not everybody's case. And I come from France where access to education is, um, is easier and way cheaper than here in in the United States and in other countries. And I got to learn so many subjects, so many topics from art to science to math. I got, I got such a great diverse education that by age 15, 16, all I wanted to do is learn more stuff, learn more things. And I just, I just, you know, and I'm a long life. I'm a a professional learner. I'm a long life learner. That's for sure. So, so that's, uh, that's learning. And so um, learning is also teaching. So that's what, that's what will make me do crazy stuff. I will fly on the other side of the planet to go learn from someone for sure. One of the things that I learned lately is how to be successful in business. I thought, you know, for the longest time. And I, I, I didn't pay attention to that belief that, you know, that thought until I, I really failed with one of my businesses, I thought I had to come up with the way to be successful myself. Like I thought a great leader is somebody who knows what to do. And that's so wrong and so untrue. And so I started using more and more coaches to help me and realize that, Hey, actually <laughs> you can surround yourself with a team of people that that, that, that will be there to to, um, to support you. I, ca- I call them, you know, and, and I, I pay, you know, coaches to help me. I have several of them all, all the time. And I also, um, you know, build my personal network. I call them my personal board members, uh, you know, friends and mentors and people that I really trust that have known me for years. You know, some, some have known me for a decade and a half, two decades that, that know where I come from, what I'm trying to achieve. Uh, so, so really that's a tip I want to share with, with everyone is, you know, if you think that getting, asking for help, getting coaching is, is not okay because you should be, you should know it all. It's wrong. <laughs> Don't make that mistake. I I made that mistake. I paid the, I paid the hard price for that. Um, so one of the things that, that also, that also makes me tick that, that really excites me is, is learning from others. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the piece of, of thinking you have to know it all. I think that's really, you know, really core value that, that any entrepreneur should know is that you don't have to be the expert on everything, or you shouldn't feel like you can do it all by yourself. Yeah. You know, very rarely does someone do it totally solo and, and, you know, self-made. I I think it's, it's something that could be a myth in and of itself. No one is truly self-made. You you know, if you were born, you didn't do that to get there. So I think it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and
1: it's one of the narratives that we we grew up in sometimes it's, um, you know, we, we, we there's those, uh, those anchored uh, ideas that we are raised with that will, um, that will limit our, our, our growth. I have to say though, that I have seen, I've seen some, some change. I come from a generation that, you know, went to, um, I graduated from college uh, in the uh, mid 90s. And it was very much the mindset at the time. I'm seeing a, I'm seeing big changes in that in in that direction um, of changing the way we think about leadership, being more I mean, vulnerability is one of the things we, you know, authenticity and, and, and changing the type of leader you want to be, you know, leading from a servant position. Um, so all of those movements did not exist when I studied and I learned leadership uh you know theoretically. Uh, These were concepts that I learned, you know, along the way that make, make, that make sense. I'm I'm really excited and really happy to see new generations coming with a more open mindset um, to a new form of leadership. That's, I'm really excited about this.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, part of the the generation that I'm a part of, I think that we're seeing a lot more, you know, side hustlers or people that are trying to build stuff, you know, outside of their, their main day-to-day job which I think is awesome because that's, you know, it's going to get them to, to work on their passions, whether or not the you know the day job is a true major yeah. passion for them. You know, it's kind yeah. of irrelevant if they they can pursue something on the side. But but one thing I did want to focus on with, with the piece that you, you shared about education and learning being a big driving force for you, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a student or when you're learning a topic, there's a real finite way that you can measure success if you get a certain degree or if you score a certain score on a test, you know, there's measurable ways numerically to to, to show success in that way and GPA and all those types of things. But what have you learned, you know, as far as how you define success in your journey as a lifelong learner? Cause I'm, I'm thinking your, your definition probably has, has evolved over time. So I'd just be curious to, to know what you define success as right now, Guillaume.
1: For me, success is the alignment between who I want to be, what I want to do and who I am actually, and what I actually do. Okay and the first challenge I ran into is I didn't know who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. <laughs> so yeah it, it was there's no way I could figure out this alignment. but once I figured this and it's a constant search, it's a constant square because we are we are uh, we evolve as human creatures <laughs> so we can, we can change you know we, we can somewhat uh, decide to change our directions as I evolve you know it's a, it's a constant search so for me that's really that that alignment between those two things and life will throw you two kinds of moments. They will throw you those wake up moments, those wake up calls to check on that alignment and make sure that kind of challenge you. And also life will send you wrenches and, (laughs) and, and roadblocks and all sorts of things that derail the direction you want it to take. I think this is especially true. In the world we, um, uh, this is really important in the way we live in the in the world we live now, where we're realizing that we can't separate anymore who we are, what we do with um, the groups we we belong in, the companies we work with. I mean, look, you know, um, work used to be something separate. You know, we used to commute to work, and now look, work is invited itself um, in the <laughs> in the home. I I I heard recently that. Um, yeah, now Amazon executives, or where did I think it was on your podcast? Some, one of your somewhere, anyways. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. Sorry, someone said on your podcast this great quote that you know now every all the Amazon executives now can uh, work from home indefinitely. So so that that relationship between uh, your personal values and the, and the values of her is now a lot different. It's very it's very meshed. It's very close together. So if we don't pay attention to what we stand for, you know, what we want to, who we want to show up as in society, in 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 our culture, and what we do, then we we're gonna struggle with that alignment. And I think there is a uh, a much greater now uh, appetite for meaning in the workplace, meaning in the companies we build, and um, and that's great news because companies are not just there to make money and profit. Companies now have a much bigger responsibility over the roles you know in society that some institutions you know religion institutions economical uh, economical institutions or business institutions governmental institutions used to play and we're seeing now we've seen it you know for a while now but more and more now in the especially during COVID we're seeing the importance of businesses taking that responsibility and when I say businesses I mean the people in the businesses so leaders in the business and not just appointed leaders not people with a with a leadership title, everyone within the company, to me, has a responsibility to, write, to rise as a leader and say, "Hey, we have to. We have to think through this differently. We have to change this." So, in my work with companies like Alaska Airlines, um, uh, L'Oreal, um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I mean, those big corporations have, have, have really now no choice but re embrace this as a as a new. Narrative as a new way of, um, of of operating, and I think for uh, startup founders, people who want just to want to you know start a business, that's the first step they should think about. That's really the first thing. What is? I mean, I have this product idea, I have this service idea, but really, you know, how am I going to be able to create the relationship between what my company produces and how people relate to it? Like, you know, how what are the values we defend? Because this could shake your entire business model. It could change your processes and so
0: on. Right. And and at the heart of it, it's like the, the purpose behind, you know, the, businesses, the business purpose, what they stand for, you know, what their employees stand for, because at the personal level, they, you know, your employee, if you're the CEO, you know, your employees are all going to have different purposes and destinations that they want to arrive at in their own lives. So I think finding that balance, you know, is really kind of where I see your company, you know, you're the founder of MetaHelm, the consulting firm that helps these these leaders share, you know, create that shared narrative Mm -hmm. grounded in purpose. And I think if you can find a a blend where you get people to believe in what you're doing, that's how you really, you know, can be a great leader. So, you know, will you share with us? Because you've been quoted as saying that people will pay for a story, but they'll die for a narrative. So could you share with us what the difference is between that? Because I've always been taught and learned that you know, to be a good entrepreneur, you have to be able to tell the best story. So, yeah. just share with us, Guillaume, what what's that big difference between storytelling and actually building a narrative?
1: And Eric, I was uh, I was there with you. I was taught that, and I learned many books about you know telling your story. And it's something so common now in the business world. Hey, what's your story? You have to have a be- you have to have a good story. We use this term without knowing really what it stands for. It's kind of a all in one term. I teach a class at the University of Washington in the uh, business entrepreneurship program there, and my one of the first questions I ask the students always at the intro of my class is, "What's a story? Like, come on, bring it! You a piece, grab grab a piece of paper, write it down, or put on a tablet." I I I always hear a constellation of you know um, definitions for a story, which is great. I like that, but. Um, if we are telling every company that they need to have a better story and we don't have a common definition, then that's, that, that gets tough. So I was there a few years ago and I thought, hey, I use the word narrative and, and stories just interchangeably as synonyms. And I I, I went, well, and, and and keep in mind, I'm French, English is not my native language, so I like to really dig into the meaning of words and research what they are, really, what, where, you know, what their origin and so on. And I noticed that stories are they have a beginning, a middle, and an end. If you you pick up any book on storytelling or look it up online, that's what you'll see. So it's it's useful because that provides a framework, but also it's very limiting because everybody has that same framework. So it creates a lot of noise with a lot of um, similar stuff around marketing. And we like to borrow from movies and books and so on. But if you look at what really a narrative is, a narrative has a beginning, a middle, and no end. A narrative is a way to understand reality. It's a viewpoint. It's, um, and I know the term for a narrative is also a frame. You know, I don't know if you've um, heard of uh, people here, may have, I don't know, heard of the framing theory, how you frame um, events and when, and what's going on. And so if you think about a narrative for a company, it's it's about the future. A story has already happened. Like it's probably how you started your company, what you've done, your background, your achievements, um, your growth trajectory, your narrative is really the system the system of beliefs. And I call it the system of stories that you intentionally build. And that's where the strategy comes in to um, make your company more successful and more impactful. So when I approach, when I redefine those terms, people will go, huh, I didn't see it this way. I'm learning something. And now that I hear what you're saying, you're right. Our vision for the future, we, we've been trying to come up with a vision and mission statement, and we, we struggle with this because we don't have that, we don't have in mind that it might be a lot more complex and bigger than just a statement. It's actually a system of statements or a system of beliefs. So, very practically, um, I like to, uh, to help my clients develop that understanding and help them shape the. You know their perspective, their point of view, the way they see business that no one else sees, so that they create a difference, so that they differentiate, so that they can attract better talent more easily. Um, you know, I, it's almost like what uh, what also happens in uh, in politics. You know, party you know uh, political parties have a platform; they have a series of uh, very strong belief statement goals, and many companies just do that in a default mode. So that's why I make this difference between storytelling and, and narrative. And it's right. If you see any major movements, um, if, if you look at anything that's happening ar- around us, you know, if you, you think about Burning Man here on the on the West Coast, you hear all the stories of Burning of, of Burning Man. They they happen. Because the narrative is about what? It's about freedom of expression, unlimited creativity, and a community that gets together. And that narrative exists. It's open-ended. Will it end one day? Where will it go? We don't know. There are aspirations. But the power behind this way to reframe the word narrative is this. When you have a narrative, you take people from an audience to participants. So if you have a story, you have an audience, you know, you tell your story, people listen to it, you're done, they go do whatever, right? If you bring, it, bring them into, into a narrative, you give them a role, you you, you you call them to action, and you have to admit that, hey, you've got this, this vision for the future, but you need them, right? You're calling them to action to come join you. That's the way modern companies operate. They realize that they can't they can't just have top-down communications, they have to involve people. And and I say this because that's the way we communicate every day. I mean, uh, you can you can text and call, and I mean, not call, but you can you can reach any CEO of of large companies, publicly traded companies, on social media these days.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, a couple of things I really loved with that. So I think it's great to to think of it as there's no end because when you started talking, I was thinking of okay, your story, you know, t- tell tell me about yourself, type thing. And some people might think, you know, if, if if it's supposed to have a beginning, middle and ends talking about their life and their purpose, so to speak, what if they feel like they're going in a zigzag or they they might go possibly backwards, you know, take two steps forward and one step back. You know, a story in a traditional sense doesn't do that. It's just continually going down that way. But life doesn't really work like that. You know, there's there's trials and tribulations. There's things that happen, especially, you know, in the entrepreneur space, most startup companies fail. So, I mean, you're, you're going to, You're going to experience some, some type of difficulty if you're going down that route at some point, more than likely. So, you know, that was one thing. And then another piece I thought of was, uh, you know, someone that's a narrator, when you're watching something that is being narrated, it feels a lot more active than if you're just reading it. So I I kind of thought, you know, you're part of it. You feel like you're part of the story if someone is, is narrating you through it.
1: But see right now we're having a conversation about this concept we are we're shaping our both our narrative around this so it's very meta right
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bear with me here but you see what we see what we're doing you're adding to my comprehension of the term and so now now and and you just did I didn't realize that yeah you're right a narrator is is somebody who brings life to it they bring their own personality to um uh, to something they um, they they want to share it there, so it shapes people's mind and it it really drives them to um to action. And now, if you take that, you know what what we're experiencing right now in this podcast, you take this to a business idea, right? And so, think about can you I don't know if in your word if you uh, don't mean to just put you on the spot here, but if you can think about one way, you know, one process or or, or one way we do business today, what 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 might what might it be, Eric? think about just a just the way we do something i know you have a background yeah. in pharmacy
0: yeah i could use a pharmacy example one thing i think is is just outdated is that we're still using hard fax machines so we're still faxing documents right. through a fax machine you know why can't that be automated or electronic at this point in time
1: right and so so that's that's a narrative it's always been like this and if you add if you go to pharmacy and and you i would bet i've never done it but I bet you go say, "Why do you fax?" And people will look at you with Google eyes. And you're like, I don't know. That's always it's how and it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's how it is, or maybe there are legal reasons and so on. And you start imagining what could be the next narrative, how you could change that. Right? The first thing that a human that that your brain will do is not build a twenty-page PowerPoint with a process chart flow. Yeah. Flow oh, chart. Sorry. <laughs> You're going to start imagining the future. You're going to develop a new myth for how we uh, communicate in the pharmacy industry, and not through fax machines. You're going to you're, you're going to start in your mind thinking about how can I disrupt that? Would that be a good thing to disrupt? What would be the benefits? Is you know is anybody else here seeing the the seeing the thing that I see? Is this just me uh, that you know feel like a little bit of sense of frustration or something that nags me or are there other people doing right? that's the, right. What I'm describing to you right now is that's the process of building a new narrative, right? So it starts there. It starts by recognizing the things that you feel to change, um, naming them, expressing them, and then doing something about it. And then also making sure that it's not just, it would not just be for you. So many business entrepreneurs come to me and say, Hey, I've got this idea and it's been so great. And I go, Okay, who else is interested in this? And they go, uh, I don't know, <laughs> 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 maybe. And I go, uh, I don't know, I don't know either. Maybe, maybe a ton of people. Maybe no one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe it's a great idea, but timing is not appropriate, or maybe the technology is already. Um. So so that that's how you that's where you start by you know when when you build a narrative. So Eric, maybe you and I should start something around stopping the fax
0: machines in pharmacies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, why not? It, it, I think it, it gets people thinking too, to your point, Guillaume, is that uh-huh. you might start thinking, why Why is it always being done? Or, you know, why has it always been done this way? Because exactly. sometimes you do ask someone about their process and, you know, I had yeah. a guest on here, Marquis Murray, a, a little while back, all yeah. about developing, you know, processes and businesses. And if you ask someone, how, why do you do that? Oh, it's we've always done it this way. Yeah, you know, exactly. you got to get to the core of why have you always done it that way? And maybe it's because no one was creative or, or wanted to change it and wanted to disrupt the system.
1: Yeah, or courageous enough. Or, um, you know, I'll give you a, another example. One of my clients here in Seattle uh, builds uh, operational technology, you know, uh, networks. We uh, we hear a lot about IoT. That's their specialization, and uh, IoT has huge promises. It, it promises to make everything smarter around us, but also brings in major problems like security uh, threats. Uh, it's very complicated. You have to retrain your whole workforce and so on. And they looked at how they, they had done it for, they've been in business for two decades, over two decades and, you know, have done it. And then came up with the realization that they're actually probably uh, fueling some of the problems. And so they completely changed the way they operate and designed this new system that doesn't require any wire. So no no major um, revamp of your buildings um, because they sat down and listened to something that was bugging them and and engaged in that process of recreating a new narrative for the industry. And now a few years down the road, they've been helping them for for a long time now. They've got a very successful company and they are category creators. They're really disruptors. Um, they, they, They took a more risky path uh, but their impact on their community is just so huge. I mean, their their clients tell them, "Hey, you know, now I've I've got my life back. I don't have to stress as much. Um, I see my employees happier because we've got now means to uh, access our buildings from everywhere, anytime, without killing ourselves, and so on."
0: Yeah, and you know, I want to ask from from a personal mm-hmm. standpoint as well. So, from from a business narrative, you know, kind of shared some examples there. I think that should get the, the creative minds flowing in the audience. Uh, from that standpoint, if you are feeling like an entrepreneur, you want to go down that route like I do, You know, I know it, it excites me greatly. But there's probably some people out there that are thinking, okay, building strategic narratives, I don't necessarily want to start my own business, at least not right now, but I do want to build a new narrative for myself in my life. What would maybe be like a practical first step for that person or people to do that, Guillaume, is there is there a way that they might be able to to start to to reshape their narrative and know that they're not trapped in that that narrow box of a story where they're maybe they got a degree and they're like ah, I don't know if I'm love with in love with this career anymore. You know what 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 advice would you offer that person?
1: I think it's a great question. Uh, first of all, thank you for um, saying that this does not apply just to business but also to personal. And you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You could also build one for the company where you're an employee or what, whatever the context is, you could be solo partners, anything. Right. There's a simple exercise that I do myself is I write myself a one year letter. The one year letter starts with it's, um, so assuming you, you do it on December 31st, January 1st, right. To make it simple. Sure. Uh, it's December 31st of 2022 say. And, um, so it would be for me, it would be Dear Guillaume, it's December of uh, December 31st. And I want to congratulate you for column. And then you can build a you can start with a bullet point list of things and then turn it into whole paragraphs and just let your just let your mind dream of what might your career, your life look like if you um, if you could not fail. Right, so you have to be in the mindset of let's imagine you're not going to fail. Let's imagine this is going to work. It's going to be your life is going to be highly successful. What does the future look like, right? And you and you you sink you sink in. You just stay with this. You know, carve carve yourself some time. Uh, my process looks like I don't I can't do this over one day. I have to come back to it. I typically do it over a week. I like to come back to it a little bit. And once I feel like it's good, it's complete and it covers, uh, many aspects of my life, business, finance, family, um, relationship, friendship, uh, wellness, you name it. You can build your own categories there. Then I, I, I print that letter. I, I put in an envelope and I seal it and I don't open it until, until the next, uh, (laughs) the next year. Gosh. And this is very, very powerful um, exercise because once you do that, you let your thoughts, your word, have this, what we call, you let your words have um, performative power over you. Your words will be your action. Inconsciously, intuitively, you're going to start making decisions that lean toward that bright future you're looking for. And you're not going to realize that until you open that letter and you go, Oh, that because you'll you, you'll you'll remember most probably for most people that remember what most what, and then there are some details in that letter that you will forget after a year, right? Yeah. And you open that letter and you go, "Gosh, now I okay, I realize. Oh, this year I took the decision, I made that choice, or this is what happened." And it's funny, <laughs> I had written something that ties to that, right? It's a very powerful exercise. I learned from one of my coaches recommended that takes you into the narrative mode right because it's future oriented and it's open ended right you're trying right. to imagine where you're headed but it's not done
0: yeah no i love that i thank you so much for sharing that i think that is such a you know such a powerful tool that i'm going to start doing that i may even do that you know it's we're sitting here and recording in february i might just start that and and do it you know in february and open it this this coming december because I think, you know, as a homework to anybody listening, I think that would be extremely helpful to do because it, A, it gets you to think ambitiously, but it also probably lets you be, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. I know I'm, I'm guilty of that. I can get, I can get on myself if I don't accomplish something in a day. And I think, gosh, I didn't get my to-do list done or something, but, you know, you're not creating a checklist. You're, you're just creating a piece of your narrative that will push your subconscious towards that. And, you know, it- it reminds me of a a quote from a previous guest on the show here, Derek Clifford, big real estate guy. He had said that if you, if you live in a six figure mindset, you know, let's say you're in a five figure mind, you know, you you make five figures right now, $50,000 a year or something. But if your mind is in a six figure mindset, it will, it's just a matter of time before your, your life catches up to that. Your actions will push you towards that mindset. So six figure, seven figure, eight figure. So it's, same, you know, that's from a, a monetary standpoint, if, if you're you know chasing a certain dollar amount to, to tie your success to in a way. But I think that that just hit, that hits home with me to, to write that letter, that thought, because I can think of some of the things I would say, but I love the idea that it'll be kind of like a time capsule. I'm not going to remember everything. And when I read it, it'll probably, you know, you hopefully you'll see, wow, I did some things that, you know, that I probably didn't realize that I could do or would do, but I dreamt it and wrote it down and. Something stuck subconsciously in my mind that pushed me towards that. So, Guillaume, that is that is hugely powerful. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Can I add a, a bonus point or two here, if if you feel like it? And I I know for younger generations, this might feel like. I told you about, you know, when I teach at the University of Russian, I ask people, hey, pull a piece of paper and a pen. And I learned my lesson that, you know, nobody has pen and paper on with themselves anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so now I, I bring pen and paper. I bring post-its. But my point is, if you write it down with a pen on paper, you're going to make this process even more powerful. Why? Because your body your your, your body will remember i know it kind of, it sounds kind of out there what i'm about to say but your body will remember the experience of shaping literally shaping those words with the nib of your of your pen so i my, yeah. i start my process pen and paper so i always draft you know in my journal i mean over a few days you know it, ideas comes to me and then, then i then i like to type it up to make it clean and readable and all that and, and and organize it um but if you do that bonus points if you dare to go back to pen and paper
0: yeah. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Pen and paper. I think, you know, it's kind of a, a a piece of creativity that's that's been lost, you know, probably on my generation, so to speak. We're texting, we're doing things on our notes app on our phones. So by going back to writing it down, that makes me think of just studying while I was in pharmacy school. You know, if you write things down, you remember so much more. And in gotcha. the moment, you don't necessarily think that you're that you're remembering it. But then you see a question and you're just word association. It's like, I wrote that. I know exactly what this answer is.
1: So you, you, you see what you just said. That's a narrative. That's that's right there. Like I'm studying something. So I'm in school. I, I paid first. I should capture everything, right? I should write it down. Some people type it up. We pay so much respect and attention to other people's ideas, right? That's great. Why not doing the same for your ideas about your future? Right. Duh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's, there's the big concept. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, Guillaume, thank you so much for being on the Eric Mueller show today. You know, I I really appreciate the insights you've shared. Hopefully everyone listening feels like they have a better idea on how to build their own narrative, whether you're in business, you're an entrepreneur, or you're just, you know, you're you're in your daily life wanting to, to shape your narrative in a different way. Everybody wants to improve. And I think Guillaume did a great job sharing what keeps him driven towards success. And hopefully that'll keep your inner clock driven too. Guillaume, thank you so much, sir.
1: You're welcome, Eric. Um, if I may leave uh, people with one uh, last thing, um, I just published an ebook. It's a it's a short it's a short read. Uh, that's available on my website at strategicnarrative.com. If this uh, episode piqued your interest, just go there and download it.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I'll tag it in the notes for you too. It'd be a real real easy link to click. And and Guillaume, one last question for you: If someone listening wants to reach out to you and they want to connect with you, what's the best method to do that? Do you use social media or, or how would, how should they do that?
1: They can find me on LinkedIn under uh, Guillaume Viatre, but my name is a little complicated. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if if you can do that, that's that's uh, I'll say I'll say I'll say very very well. I mean, it's the link I know will be on the on the show notes. But connect with me on LinkedIn. It's it's uh, it's very good. It's I always respond quickly and always get uh, responses are guaranteed.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, Guillaume, thanks again, my friend. I'll be following your journey, and and we appreciate you being on the show today.
1: My pleasure. Eric. This is a great conversation. Thank you so much for doing your show It's amazing. So thanks for putting it out there in the world.
0: Really appreciate that, sir. Take care.